Okay. Let me make sure I have everything. <laughs> so I'm looking around. I think, uh, with almost very little exception, you all know who I am, but I think maybe one or two don't, so I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Liana Rubio, and uh, those of you who've heard me speak before, like you're, you're going to hear it again, like my disclaimer. <laughs> I'm just a follower of Jesus, not scholarly trained. Um, I just read the scripture, meditate on it, <laughs> talk to my mom <laughs> about it, and that's how, um, how I come to share with you. So uh, you can take or leave any part of what I say, but there um, are times whenever I share where it's very clear to me that there's something very specific that the Lord wants me to share, so I'm going to be uh, obedient and do that. Okay. Um, so two years ago, Edward thought maybe longer, but I'm pretty sure it's only two years ago during Advent season, uh, as a family, we started doing the names of Jesus, and it's been very transformational. So we have above a window in our home uh, 25 cards, and we flip them every day. And when it came up that one of the children should read the scripture, I actually thought of Jackson because he is most attentive. So like when you see his behavior from day to day, <laughs> it could be shocking, but he loves reading scripture. Uh, and he is the one that is like most present with us when we are doing the Advent calendar. In fact, last year, you'll see his two friends here next week, we had a family over, and they were doing, like, Christmas crafts with us, and he was like, can, we, can they do Advent, too? <laughs> and I said to their mom, is that okay with you? Is that cool? And she was fine with it, um, but uh, he really has, like, this zeal, and usually we'll start reading it, then he wants to keep going, so I think of Jackson uh, whenever I uh, am reading scripture, and then it reminds me to share things with him, um, and so it was fitting that he share with you today. So I'm going to read again, um, because our name of Jesus for today is Light of the World, and what's really interesting when I read back over the context for it, when Jesus was describing himself in this way, he was up against like very specific challenge. So it wasn't like people like, oh, tell me about yourself <laughs> in a way that was positive. They were very much dismissing him and trying to discredit who he was. So I got it right, Daniel. I went the right way. Uh, <laughs> so if you can, join me in John, and we'll start uh, at 8 and read a little bit. So when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whomever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know, I came, I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So a couple of things here. Um, 
again, Jesus is not being like opened with warm arms and being welcomed in. Like he's being specifically challenged. And a couple of things come up for me, which is one of the names of Jesus, I think we already did, maybe it was last week, was it I am? First week was I am. And it says here, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So before we move too far, like he's reinforcing, I am one with God. So as I've been meditating on the names of Jesus for this practice, the connectedness of the names of Jesus continuously come together for me. But what is also very clear for me is when he's talking about being the light of, world, the, of the world, he's very specifically facing darkness. And so I thought a lot about, like, we can't appreciate light unless we appreciate what darkness is. So, um, as always, I'm going to share with you a little bit about my week. <laughs> and I thought about it, like, uh, with Jackson coming, he has a very, like, just the doctors would describe him as, like, an anxious baseline. Like, that does say, is he an anxious kid? The answer is yes. So when you put him in darkness, like, when we go to put him to bed at night, everything comes alive in terms of his fears and angst. And that's actually how we started to learn how to work with him better because we were fixated on his inability to sleep effectively. And so for him, like, and I even talked with him about, like, what is it, what do you feel when there's darkness? So some of these words come from him. It really is, like, just by definition, it's the absence of light, right? But we face darkness, Jesus was facing darkness in the light of day. <laughs> so what's more important for us, instead of the physical aspect of light sometimes, is what does it feel like and what does it do? Because sometimes we can identify the darkness we face by what it feels like and what it's doing in our life. And so I want to share with you a little bit. So from his perspective and my perspective, what does it feel like? It's scary, it's overwhelming, it's hopeless. This is a big one, it's lonely. It makes us feel vulnerable, it's disorienting, and it's distressing. Um, and what does it do? So for me, it creates distance, it fosters fear, for kids, especially, they'll tell you when there's darkness, when they're in their room by themselves, it makes small things seem really big. So there's a little, you know, shadow that they might see because there's a little bit of light or there's shadow, and it makes it feel much bigger than it is. That's the same for me. It can be overwhelming. Um, it really exploits all these vulnerabilities that we have. So going back to my week, I called Edward... I want to say it was Tuesday morning, someday early this week, and I was like, yeah, I just need you to listen to what I feel. <laughs> and he's like, amazing. He loves these phone calls. They're his favorite. And I'm just like going through, like, I need you to understand, and all the things I'm describing are what darkness does, right? I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure how I'm going to function through this day. And I had, it was Thursday, because I had forgotten, so it wasn't even early in the week, that would have been a better story if it were earlier in the week. No, I've been meditating on this all week, and it was still on Thursday. And I was, like, verbalizing everything about the day, running down the list of how it was impossible for me to do it all. <laughs> um, and then on Tuesday, I remembered that I was in a, a meeting about leadership wellness, which is usually, like, I just tune it out because I just, I just want to get my job done so I can go home and I don't want to hear about all these things. But this quote stood out to me. They actually shared a quote from the song by Leonard Cohen. There's a crack, 
a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. So I kind of came back to what I'd been meditating on all week and back to this, and I was like, you know what? I just need a crack. <laughs> like, that's all I need so the light can come in. So in that moment, it's like, okay, there's darkness entering in. So for me, it's not like this pure evil, this idea of darkness in a way that's uh, very clear and evident, right? So if you see something that's really pure evil, that's obvious. Darkness is easy to identify there. But for me, and probably for many of you, it shows up in different ways like I was describing. It's like you feel overwhelmed, you feel alone. I'm calling my husband because I'm like, I need somebody else to help me in this. I feel alone. Well, my prayer that morning was, I just need a crack. <laughs> I just need a crack so the light can come in. What I didn't remember about that day was that actually Edward had a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment, and I then could like reorganize the whole afternoon so it could get done. All I needed was to surrender, let the light come in, and then everything was going to be different from that point forward. But the beginning of it is allowing the crack for the light to come in, which is the hardest for me. Um, because what happens, going back to darkness, is it makes everything seem bigger than it is, and it exploits and fosters, I use that word very specifically, exploits and fosters our vulnerabilities. Because for me, when I get into that dark place, the spiral sounds fairly similar. Like Edward could probably name you off the phrases that I use because it looks the same almost every time because of my vulnerabilities specific to me. My vulnerabilities, which a lot of them are listed here, are consistent, the pattern is the same because I believe the enemy exploits those things. Separate me from the light, which is Jesus, and exploit all the things about her that are easy to let her down the spiral of darkness. So when we go back to, okay, so the darkness is the absence of light. And what's amazing about the light, let me make sure, yep, there I am. It really is, so if you look it up, like what is light? It's energy. It's the primary tool for perceiving the world and communicating within it. Like if you just go to Britannica, that's what it's going to tell you about the light. Um, and so what does it feel like? It's warm. It's hopeful. It's comforting. It's confidence building. These are just my words. You fill in your own. What does it feel like? So my goal when we're talking about this is for you to be able to take an inventory of your own life. What does it feel like when I experience darkness? What does it feel like when I experience light? Because the goal is for you to be able to tap back into, okay, if I'm experiencing this darkness, the answer is the light. Let the crack, let the light come in. And the, the crack is really about us surrendering, and you all have heard me use that phrase lots of times before. So what does it do? So light is life-sustaining. It allows for growth and healing. So if you go into uh, any uh, discipline like medicine or botany or any of those things, they're going to talk to you about the value and the quality of light and how it allows for not only growth but healing. Uh, I think of when babies are discharged from the hospital and they have jaundice. Well, what do they do? They hook them up to light. They send them home with light. <laughs> it's healing. It has healing properties. Um, 
And it brings, this is really important for me personally, so I don't know what it'll be for you, but it really does bring visibility and clarity. Because when we go back to what does the darkness do, it allows for us to get lost. We get off our path, we can't find our way. If we need to be, we are just talking about this morning, like I now have a um, flashlight on my keychain because we do scouts now and Jackson camps all the time and we need light. And it's like, what does the scout do? Scout is always prepared. And part of their preparation is a flashlight. Like you almost should always have a flashlight. And I have to attach it to my keychain because I will forget it otherwise. There are so many parallels to the practical application that we experience every day in our spiritual life. We have to be prepared with the light. And for, again, if you go back to when we experience darkness, if we can't identify what it feels like in our own life, it's hard to remember that we need to bring the light back in. So part of it is staying focused on where's my light, am I prepared with my light, but being prepared to turn it on when we're experiencing darkness, if you're anything like me. What's really awesome about this names of Jesus practice and just meditating on the names of Jesus is it takes you into the scripture in a way that's very different. So when we think about what Jesus said, so this, these are his words. We'll go back to John uh, 12, 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you go back to the beginning of John, so go back with me to the very opening, John 1, and you go back to how the opening is describing Jesus as the Word. I was much older when I realized that the beginning of that was actually talking about Jesus. Like, I would just read it, and I had no idea what it was talking about. But they're describing, in the beginning was the Word, so Jesus was always there with God, But if you go to verse 5, after they're describing Jesus as the word, actually, let's go to 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There are different versions of this. If you go back to um, different verses and uh, versions and cross-reference, Um, the darkness can't comprehend it. There are different words about it. I'm sure a scholar could tell me what the original would have said. But for me, as I'm reading it, the whole time that we're setting up this entire book of the Bible, it begins with Jesus existed from the beginning when light was established. And the light in him was life, and there was And that life was the light of all mankind. So he is the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So that's where we go back to there just needs to be a crack. Because light overtakes darkness, because darkness is the absence of light. So the idea of just letting the light in removes the darkness. And that's all we need to do is let the, the crack open, and there's the light. If you go down to... Verse 9, this is where they're t- the, the followers um, who would eventually learn about Jesus are looking to John the Baptist, and they've been kind of like expecting him to be the light, to be the answer. But again, in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
he was in the world, and though the, wor- the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Again, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's the season that we're celebrating. The birth of Jesus, he was coming into the world. Um, so a couple of things for you to think about and takeaways for today. It is going to be shorter. I, it just is. <laughs> um, the first is that we really need to think about Jesus as the true and everlasting light. So darkness cannot comprehend or overcome the light of the world. So Jesus, as the, the light of the world, cannot be overcome in any way by the darkness. So he's the immediate answer to darkness. If you're experiencing darkness in your life, if someone else is experiencing darkness, the answer is the light of the world, and that's Jesus. This one's really important to me because um, that talk that I was at on Tuesday talking about you know, the crack, when I go back and look up Leonard Cohen's life, born, um, as I believe a, a, he was Jewish, I think he was Orthodox. If you study about him, he studied multiple religions. He was obviously on a search. He made it very clear that, um, as people asked him, that he was always Jewish. He was never kind of going against his religious faith. But what I think is really interesting about even him writing this song is this idea that he was exploring throughout this, this real search for light. And John the Baptist is addressing it here. He was not the true light. So our job is not to accept anything less or close to it. Because there, you know, Leonard Cohen makes a great point. (laughs) But it's going to point me back to Jesus only. Because there are a lot of things that sound close or adjacent to Jesus' teaching. But the clarity and the vision... And the answer comes from him being the light of the world because a lot of people are on the search for it. So they're people who are going to be super close. And it's going to sound very close. And these days, like as I am like studying and paying attention to the people who are talking, lots of people have a platform and I don't dismiss people. Like I'll listen to their story and what they have to say. But what I'm becoming more and more clear about is close or like can be very dangerous. So this Christmas season, we have to be very, very mindful that the light of the world is Jesus. And John the Baptist is saying, I'm not him. (laughs) He's saying the true light is Jesus. So we have to be very, very careful when we're experiencing darkness that, or other people are, that we're pointing them back to Jesus. And there's not this need to, in that process, say, you know, All of these other things are, you know, um, completely off base. Sometimes they're very close. Like Leonard Cohen this week pointed me back to Jesus. But the goal is that it points us back to Jesus. What does the scripture say? What does the light of the world say about himself? And the scriptures around the names of Jesus are very often him speaking about himself and what he's experiencing. And when you read around it, you get to hear how he's confronting the challenges he's facing in this world, experiencing the things that we experience. Um, And the last here is 
something really amazing. So we live in a multi-generational house, and my favorite thing about doing this is when my mom participates. My dad, you know, he'll listen. <laughs> he's around. He loves it, but he's just not engaged in the same way as my mom. And she and I were talking about this, um, this talk today in light of the world, and she said, you know, it reminds me of Isaiah 60. She actually couldn't remember, she could sing the song based on the scripture, so go with me to 60. And there are two references, and there may even be more, these are just the ones that I happened upon. Um, go with me to 6014 uh, in Isaiah. And the, the chapter before is all about darkness, and the darkness that um, is being foretold. And the very next chapter in 60 is the glory of Zion. And so it says, The children of your oppressors will come bowing before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the Holy One of Israel. Although you have been forsaken and hated, no one traveling through will... Uh, no one traveling through. I will make you the everlasting pride, the joy of all nations. Let me skip down. I'm looking for a specific. Here it is, 19. I apologize. The whole chapter is worth reading, but go down with me to, <laughs> to 19. The sun will no longer be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. So what's amazing is if you go, so this is Isaiah all about being prophetic here. So the lack of the need to rely on the sun and the moon, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. If you skip all the way to the very end of the Bible, Revelations 21, And let me go back to, I want to say it's 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the king of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So what Jesus is talking about in John 12 is foretold in Isaiah, and is now being prophesied in terms of what will be established. So there's this interconnectedness and depth around what Jesus is saying about himself that's available to us if we look a little, just a few Google searches. <laughs> but the practice of meditating on who Jesus said he was and the connectedness between what was prophesied and what's coming and that's what's available to us this season is just this reflection available in terms of, I think it was Jason talked about how Advent was originally about, you know, this part of who he was and who he's going to be. And in the light of the world, there was this, what was foretold, what he's saying about himself and what we can expect for the future. So um, the worship team can come up and then I'll do a little bit of a close after. 
Um, but there's this, and again, Jason talked about, there's this depth to Jesus that is available to us if we study and pay attention, and he is the answer to our everyday reality. And the darkness that you experience doesn't have to be what you see in other people, because it's easy to see the darkness in others, but the darkness that we have, we have to start paying attention to how does it show up in us, and what do we need to do to get to what the light offers. So that's my um, prayer for you today, and then I'll send you out with a blessing after we worship. Thank you.